Why not? I just need to. <laughs> a little bit off centre. Good morning. Good morning. Um, the message I have this morning, I have titled New Beginnings. We don't have a theme at the moment, but I do believe that this um, adds to Ben's word about it's one of the steps that we can take to walk in greater freedom and in deeper faith. So if you could turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 27, please. This is the story of Jacob and Esau, <clears throat> twin brothers born to Isaac and Rebekah. And throughout their lives, even from within the womb, they had conflict. They vied for position within their family and with their parents. Jacob was Rebekah's favourite. Esau was Isaac's. Earlier in the story, Esau had sold his birthright to Jacob. And in this passage, chapter 27, he was robbed of his inheritance. Through deception, Jacob received Isaac's blessing that was rightfully Esau's. And although Esau begged his father to bless him, the firstborn's blessing had already been given. So I'd like to read from, chapter, uh, from verse 34 of chapter 27. <clears throat> when Esau heard his father's words, he let out a loud and bitter cry. Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too, he begged. But Isaac said, your brother was here and he tricked me. He has taken away your blessing. Esau exclaimed, no wonder his name is Jacob, for now he has cheated me twice. First he took my rights as the firstborn, and now he has stolen my blessing. Oh, haven't you saved even one blessing for me? Isaac said to Esau, I have made Jacob your master and have declared that all his brothers will be his servants. I have guaranteed him an abundance of grain and wine. What is left for me to give you, my son? Esau pleaded, but do you have only one blessing? O oh, my father, bless me too. Then Esau broke down and wept. Finally, his father Isaac said to him, You will live away from the richness of the earth and away from the dew of the heaven above. You will live by your sword and you will serve your brother. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> but when you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. From that time on, Esau hated Jacob because their father had given Jacob the blessing. And Esau began to scheme. I will soon be mourning my father's death. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Full of really big emotions, this passage. There's anger and rage. There's bitterness. There's disappointment. There's revenge. There's the promise of servitude. There's resentment. And there's fear. After this happened, Jacob fled in fear of his life to his uncle. And the story in Genesis continues to follow what happens for Jacob over the next 20 years. But on his way to his uncle, Jacob spent the night with his head on a rock. Can't imagine that as a pillow, but 
Anyway, he's, he's asleep and he has a vision. He sees a stairway that goes up to heaven with angels moving up and down. And in that vision, God promised to be with Jacob. God promised that he would one day return to this land and that every promise given to Jacob would be fulfilled. Well, not much is recorded about Esau after Jacob left. We do know that he married unwisely and he lived by his sword. He became a violent man. But he grew rich in land and property. After 20 years, God told Jacob, it's time to go home. 20 years of holding on to the initial promise, during which time he had, been, he had married two sisters, tricked into one, but ended up working for many years for both. You know, there's the elements here for a good soap opera. You know, all this emotion, all this resentment, all this anger, and, and it's just, yeah, it's a, yeah. He continued, but Jacob continued to have favourites. He continued like his father, um, like he had been, to be deceptive. But throughout it all, God remained faithful. In chapter 32, we see Jacob preparing to meet his brother. Even though God had clearly told him to return, he was full of fear and uncertainty. He had a word from God that made him collect all his belongings and move with his whole family, with everything he owned. He knew it was God, and yet he was still fearful and uncertain. He sent gifts away to pave the way with Esau. He sent his family and his belongings across the river. And the night before he met Esau, he found himself alone. And in his solitude, he met with God in a powerful way. In chapter 32, from verse 22. <clears throat> we read, sorry. <clears throat> During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Jacob left that encounter with God with a permanent limp. He never lost the limp. He had it for the rest of his life. Thank you. And he left with a different name. He was no longer Jacob which means supplanter, but he became Israel, which means may God prevail. Esau had also been prepared for this meeting. We don't read about what happened to him, but from we can see that he had had an encounter with God because of the way he responded. Part of Isaac's blessing 
for Esau had been, when you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. Time does not erase the strong feelings that Esau had. Man cannot deal. Esau could not have dealt with those strong feelings by himself. God had done a work. And we see it because when the brothers met, it was Esau who ran to Jacob. Esau embraced Jacob and kissed him. There was no thought of malice. There was no thought of this is my chance to murder him. He embraced him with a kiss. He was thrilled to see his brother come home. Jacob, on the other hand, was still fearful. He still tried to give Esau gifts to make a way for him. It's an interesting moment in time. It seems they have a restored relationship. Yet we know from reading further on in the story that Esau's descendants continue to be a thorn in the sight of Israel. We know that they continue to cause division unrest. And Jacob didn't have full peace in his heart at that point either. He actually said to his brother one thing and went to another place. He continued to lie and continued to look after his own um, concerns. There's no repentance recorded. There's no verbal acknowledgement from Jacob about what God had done in his life. True reconciliation didn't happen for Jacob until many chapters later. When Joseph offered forgiveness to his brothers and accepted his father into Egypt. It's an amazing story. And we really see the true work of God unfolding and come to pass. Joseph was able to forgive his brothers and declare, it was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. Well, all of this summary, to share what I've been learning This is a bit of a testimony today about some of the things God has been speaking to me. I was reading through the stories and looking at the generational patterns in their lives. I had just had an encounter myself. God had shown me a revelation about my family and my own life. While at a Love After Marriage workshop just in January, I got some insight into an ongoing habit pattern in my own life. It happened as I was praying about one of our children, asking the Holy Spirit for wisdom and insight of how to mother in this situation. And was there something that I could do to to change the situation? I can't share what it is because it involves one of my children. But Holy Spirit was so faithful. And in my understanding, I could see the problem But Holy Spirit took me back further and showed me why it was a problem. Showed me what was behind the issue. Showed me the root of that thing. And as I was praying and asking the Lord to reveal it to me, I thought, oh my goodness, mum does that. I went, so did Nana. It took me a little while (laughs) 
<laughs> to get to the point of, so do I. <laughs> it took me a little while. But it was the underlying issue to an area in my life that I've often prayed about. I've often brought to the cross. I have often asked God, why does this happen in my life? Why do I do this? And I wasn't seeing victory in it. I was bringing it to God. I was bringing the problem, what I could see with my eyes and with my understanding. It would show itself in my thought life, would show itself in my reactions to change and was most evident when I wasn't walking as closely with God as I should. I had prayed about it. I had given it to God without really fully understanding what it was. And this is where the verse where Jacob says to Esau really spoke to me. When you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. Esau had to understand what the yoke was so that he could break free of it. When a revelation comes, it's an opportunity for a new beginning. Can I just say, after that day um, and that moment, I had a conversation with my mum and I had a conversation with the child with the, you know, the, that I was praying about. Both conversations were markedly different. There was a freedom that hadn't been there before and there was, there was hope that it could be different. And I know that I was different, but I actually believe something happened in the spirit. You know, our family of origin... Many of us are really familiar with this, but our family of origin, where we come from, where we grew up, the influences in our life play a powerful role in the way we respond and behave. The positives and the negatives. You know, it's easy to see family, family similarities in the natural. Not so easy to see in the spiritual, but they are just as real. We inherit them from our family. And it is so obvious through Genesis, particularly in the areas of deception and favouritism. For generations, it became a problem. You know, whether it be generational issues, anger, offence, control, manipulation, abandonment, rejection, fear religious spirit, to just name a few. Or whether it's lies that have been spoken over you from your family, from teachers, or from people of influence in your life. Things like you'll never amount to anything. You'll always just be the clown. You're nothing but trouble. Or whether it's negative experiences that you've had no control over. They can all have a lasting impact in our lives. But I have good news. Those things don't have to determine our future. We have no control over the heritage we receive. But we can determine the legacy we leave for future generations. And with God... We can change our future. 
we can have a new beginning. We can have a fresh start where those things from the past no longer have power over us. But just like Jacob, when revelation comes, we have a choice. We can decide to yield and surrender to Holy Spirit or continue in the same habit patterns. It's really, really important here to note that I'm not talking about a self-improvement program or five steps to getting your thinking right. We can't actually break free from those things in our own strength. But with God, when the Holy Spirit touches an area in our lives, there is grace to work with him and allow him to work in us to see victory and breakthrough. I've had encounters, <clears throat> power encounters, where something happens, God moves, and I am different. I wake up different the next day. I've had one or two of those. Most of the changes that happen in my life are not power encounters. They're process. And they take time. And there's a working out of them. But one thing about whether it's a power encounter or a process, they all start at the same place. And that's at the cross. It's in the presence at the feet of Jesus. In a place of repentance, a place of vulnerability, and a place of surrender. The cross is our ladder. The cross is our place of encounter. The cross is where we get to wrestle with God, where we get to say, I will not let you go until you bless me, where we do business with God, where we present ourselves and say, Lord, I'm desperate. And we continue in that, in that frame of mind. We continue in that, in that posturing ourselves before the Lord until breakthrough comes, continuing to believe that that's what he has for us. In partnership with the Holy Spirit, never in our own understanding or ahead of God's timing. We're not on a digging exploration today. Never go digging. Only ever as we present ourselves to the Lord and ask him to reveal things to us. We ask him to create a clean heart in us. We ask him to renew our spirit and he faithfully shows us what we're ready for. My recent revelation didn't just come out of nowhere. I wasn't walking down the street and poof, it came. I was actually in a place. We were in the presence of God. We had been seeking God. And I was praying and asking for insight and understanding. And God gave me far more than I could have imagined. It wasn't going to someone else and asking them what, them, what they thought the problem might be. It was in presenting myself before the Lord, sitting in his presence and being open to hear so that I could have all that he has for me. So how do we deal with an issue in partnership with the Holy Spirit when something comes, when we get the revelation? Okay, I've had the revelation. Okay, God, what do I do? We need to name it. Not be afraid to name things for what they are, to bring things into the light. 
we need to repent for any part that we've had in that. If forgiveness needs to flow, we need to forgive the people involved and we need to ask Holy Spirit to help us do that. There are specific prayers we can pray to see things broken off our lives. And we can declare and embrace the truth found in the Word about those issues. It would be nice if it happened instantaneously. But like Jacob, who came away with a limp, there's sometimes a bit of pain involved, sometimes discomfort. And almost always more time than we would like. God can do things in an instant, but he often takes his time. <laughs> you know, knowing Jesus as our saviour, and I wonder, Stacy, could you pop up, please? Knowing Jesus as our saviour means we have been reconciled with Christ. We have been made right with him. Second Corinthians 5 tells us, <clears throat> that if we're in him, the old is past and the new has come. There's a working out of that newness. It's called sanctification. It's an old word. It's he wants to make us holy like he is holy. And he's given us everything we need to walk in that. And it's true, he always has more for us. None of us have made it. You talk to someone who's been walking with the Lord for five days, someone who's been talking, walking with the Lord for 50 years, there are still things that the Lord is revealing to them that He wants us to make us more holy and more pure. There is always more. We need to position ourselves to allow His grace to work in us. He's looking for hearts that are longing for more. Last week, I had a conversation with someone who had received an unexpected inheritance a few years ago. And this inheritance just keeps giving and giving. They keep getting checks in the mail from different things, you know, and, and, and every time it comes, it's an unexpected blessing. It's what God wants to do for us this morning. And I wonder if you can pray with me this little prayer. Lord, what inheritance do you have for me that I have not yet laid hold of? Lord, what do you have for me that I am yet to claim as my own? So this morning, has Holy Spirit spoken something to your heart? Are there unfulfilled promises in your life? Are there areas in your life or in your family's life that you are looking for breakthrough in? Are you desirous to see change? Open your heart this morning. Allow Holy Spirit to speak to you. Come with a posture of hunger and desire for more of God.
Let His grace flow in those areas so that we might have a new beginning. Feel free to come and present yourself at the altar. Do something physical. Come and kneel before the Lord and or come and lift your hands. Come and quietly pray. Do something physical to show your response to the Lord that yes, I need a new beginning in this area. I need an encounter in this area. I need your truth to shine on this area, Lord. this morning and you don't know Jesus, if you've never had an encounter with Him, if you've never sensed His peace or His presence, and you would like that today, I'd invite you to come to the front. We'd love to invite you to the lover of your soul. We would love to introduce you to the one who has a plan and a future for you who can take away all your past and give you a future and a hope. Invite you to come forward.
Father, we want to thank you this morning for your faithfulness. We want to thank you that you love us with an everlasting love that knows no limits. Thank you that you know our past, our present and our future and thank you that you're in all of them. We just lift our hearts and our hands to you and say thank you for your goodness, God. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and speak to each of our hearts. That we would be able to walk with you and be more like Jesus.